Stick in rink pod from Colwood. Stick in rink pod. Yeah. Stick and Rink podcast. Okay, there okay. you go. Yeah. Thanks to that. And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear. We're still in Cup Champions! Yeah! Vancouver selects from the University of Michigan, Quinn Hughes. Coming to you from the shores of beautiful Vancouver Island, this is the Stick in Rink podcast. My name's Isha, alongside my good pal Dylan, and as we always do, should just run down the quick weather weather report here in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, because it seems to be on and off, on and off again. Rain, beautiful sunshine, pouring rain, beautiful sunshine. Now, certified the most accurate weather team, Action Weather. Yeah, like like Isha said, it's been on and off. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. Typical it's been crazy uh, times. Typical early summer on this beautiful island. We talk up this island, but folks just really don't is. understand. Like, this is probably the most beautiful spot in Canada. Absolutely. And, I mean, to do a podcast like this, Woo! you couldn't ask for anything a more. A hockey podcast in the, you know, I guess, quote-unquote, Hawaii of Canada. And hey, Not bad, not bad. Not too bad. But you know what? It's episode 100. <laughs> Jamaican 100. horns. Finally deserved. I mean, when we started this, you know, we were pretty innocent young men and now two years I think, ago by the way two years ago and now we're you know we're grumpy fox you know what's funny dylan but we started this podcast before the las vegas golden knights were even a team hey that's true hey how's how how's are you for longevity how's that eh? for stats guy the hashtag stats guy <laughs> but yeah no 100 episodes of stick wow. and ring podcast in addition to all the radio episodes we did I mean, man, we put a lot of content well, down if, for Stick and Rink. It, you said it with all the radio uh, content we had out there because we would post the podcast of both hours, uh, sometimes a little bit extra. And so I think there's over like three. And we had some mini-sodes every now and then because I just mm-hmm. had extra interviews throughout the week where I had, you know. Throw a half-hour episode together. So Yeah, something like that. So there's over 300 episodes of Stick wow. and Rink out there via your podcast app, ladies and gentlemen. And it's all thanks to the listeners because we, we, we tell this story periodically or we have told it periodically um, when, you know, throughout the time of Dylan and I doing this podcast between zero and a hundred. Holy fuck, a hundred episodes. Um, it's all because of the listeners. Dylan and I, when we started, we're like, hey, we... Uh, we like our takes, you know, I respect your opinion, Dylan, we found that, like, everything we talked about were, were the same topics and the same angles, you know, people were talking about, let's be honest, on air, and, and some of the fans and radio hosts were bringing up same opinions at us as us, we're like, hey, people like listening to this anyways, we might as well just record us talking about it and see if it catches on, we said, I think if we got more than 30 plays 
uh, an episode, we would keep doing it. And uh, look at look at us now. We have a good good solid following. Nothing too crazy, but I think we're about to graduate from the pigeon ranks, and it's all because of you listeners. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, that's the sole reason is is the viewers, the the fans of the podcast I mean, and radio show and, and radio show. We and we have some diehards. I mean, there's oh, some guys yes. that have been around from the start. Lyndon Wood from the Hood, Shane Van Nice, well, Brandon mean, Hobbs, Brandon Hobbs. These guys have listened. To, I, I Brandon can, Payne. I'm tempted to say a couple. Couple of these guys have listened to every single episode. Well, Shane has. He's Shane admitted. Has. Shane literally. That's amazing. He, he posted on his iTunes comment, "I am the biggest fan of Stick and Rink. I've listened to every right. single episode, both the radio show and the podcast, and I've won countless prizes, or something like that." Well, we've often joked that Shane actually knows more about this show oh, than we does. do because I don't go back and listen to every episode. So, like, Shane is. He's on just, top of it. He's he, on top of it. He's well, an encyclopedia you, of Sticker Ring Podcast. If you look on SoundCloud, which a lot of people actually don't use SoundCloud, you know, to listen to us, that's just where we host the podcast right now, which is going to change, ladies and gentlemen, and we will update you on that uh, in a later, on a later date. But, you know, Shane will call us out on stuff on SoundCloud. You know, he'll be the only one oh, commenting. Yeah. He keeps us in check. Every week. And, like, once in a while, I mean, he's put a comment on there, and we're like, oh, geez, and we've had to remove the file and replace it because... Uh, so thank you, we might, we might We might have forgotten something in there you know so um th- i i think we can you know on on episode 100 part one of this of episode 100 of the stick ring podcast we can uh we can crown shane i think the undisputed now best fan of the podcast there you go shane wow. shane is one happy man right now there you go i can see the smile shane from here. is literally a character now on the stick ring podcast He's ride just... the pod have no idea although shane just made ditch ride the pod and just hop over to the soda pod yeah, that's, and keep listening that's to you us. know what that's gonna be an interesting one i'm uh i'm interested to see how that plays yeah, out see how that plays out we'll keep you updated folks yeah uh don't forget well speaking of updates let's update our uh listeners on our last two chly stick ring radio shows uh, don't forget to tune in to the radio show, CHLY 1017 FM, Sundays from 5 to 7 p.m. And you can stream it online as well, chly.ca. The final dates of the live CHLY Stick and Rink radio show this summer, ladies and gentlemen, are as follows. This weekend, this Sunday, July 14th. Ooh, that came quick. And then in two weeks, on the 28th, is the final episode of Stick and Rink radio. So book it. We're going three hours 4 p.m. to 7 Pacific time. And if you miss the June 16th show, you can download hour one and hour two of the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from, Stick in Rink Podcast. And guys, like, we have a three-hour show. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. A ton of guests. And you know what? The whole time, the phone lines are going to be open. Oh, and we, we have, have some, so many we have, prizes. We have so many prizes. And we have, we have to give them many. away. We have too many. Like we have to give them away. Like we have yeah. no choice. So you call us. If you call, I think we got uh, this is going to be a mistake, Dylan. But if you call, just literally ah, like scream, yeah. producer T's we'll ear. We'll give you a prize. Like we have to give them. We have to give them away. Lyndon's going to scream now and produce a TZ ear. Well, like, okay, you can phone and scream, but we're still going to have to get your info. But but yeah, they can, they can scream anything. Or hey, give us give us give a us real something. good. I, I would love someone to call in. And give us like an 8 out of 10 Chewbacca scream. Because those are pretty tough. And if someone can pull off an 8 out of 10, I'll be happy. We've heard an 8 out of 10 before, but it was literally someone dying in the streets of Nanaimo calling for an ambulance. So we're like, we can't help you. Yeah. All right. Uh, (laughs) Should we move on to Patreon? (laughs) For more exclusive content like that on the Patreon pregame show, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on to anything. Um, Become a loyal patron of ours. $1 gets you the Patreon pregame show, which we get into a lot of different topics like 
we just were getting into ex- uh, exclusive giveaways plus extra content. What was that To again? all of our loyal patrons. Uh, so support us. All donations go towards improving the show and providing you with prizes and merchandise. And like I said, one measly dollar gets you an extra episode of Stick and Rink every single week. But folks, you know what? The best thing you can do today is rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, let us hand over a five-star podcast to ride the pod, please. Very excited. Elijah and Josh, it's going to be great stuff. Um, if you didn't listen, I, I don't forget what episode it was, 26 or 27 of their podcast, where they made their announcement. They, they gave us so much praise. <laughs> we were killing A couple ourselves. of Zuckies, man. A <laughs> couple of Zuckies, eh? Oh, great stuff. Oh, that uh, They gave us a good old chuckle here. No, uh, and that's that's why we got these guys to do the podcast. <laughs> they're they're unreal it's great stuff um all right should we get into the the show rundown let's do it all right we have uh some quick hits um are they it, gonna be quick or it, what it, they're gonna be quick it's a good lineup it's a good oh, roster i don't like that i don't like the tone in your voice well and i just encourage everyone to actually go check out the article there was it's really hey, good I, stuff I, i'm not saying it's a bad thing at all no they may be a little when bit we got longer long than quick last hits week. hey they're, they're not bad you know? no that's true uh we got some nhl talk brought to you by our friends at auto smile our guests this week include former National Hockey League player, Vancouver Island stud, Mr. Doug Bodger, who you know, was drafted first round to the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1984, and he came into the league playing with Mario Lemieux and uh, also was on some of those great Buffalo Sabres teams in the 90s. He's now the assistant coach for the WHL Victoria Royals. We're really excited to bring Doug Bodger on the episode. And then we're going to move on to questions from Twitter, brought to you by Sprezzabox. Make sure you use promo code STICKINRINK for 15% off your next purchase. Your monthly subscription, ladies and gentlemen, it's only $28 a month right now, so hit it up. Promo code stick and rink. You want those deals. We know you love free stuff. Hopefully you like some stuff with a deal as well. Finally, wrap up the show with some names of the game. I saved myself there, Dylan. Let's get into the quick hits. There to bring us the lowdown, fresh off a Big Apple hoedown, where there was a corned beef on rye throwdown. It's showdown. Episode 100, baby. Fuck it. Um, we'll do Yessi Pugliarvi, Dylan, will not be an Edmonton Oiler next season. As per the Edmonton Journal, you know, various outlets in the Vancouver media, and Ryan Rashog of TSN, who he covers the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, here's a great clip from TSN 1040's Halford and Bruff show before uh, we quickly dive into this quick hit. What we learned, if airplanes ran out of fuel midair, they still wouldn't drop as fast as Jesse Puglia-Yarvey's trade value. And then Aaron says, see Ryan Rashog's Twitter. So Ryan Rashog of TSN in Edmonton said, if the Oilers could get a third-line winger or a third-line forward for Puglia-Yarvey, they they would do it? Mm Mm-hmm. So <laughs> amazing stuff, amazing stuff there. Um, and the article is actually as per the Edmonton Journal, but I wanted to highlight some of Ryan Rashog's tweets, some of the, the tweets that were talked about in that clip. Ryan Rashog tweeted June 19th um, that Yessi Puliyarvi has made it clear to the Edmonton Oilers he wants to be traded. He wants a fresh start to his young NHL career. It's believed the Oilers are willing to accommodate but won't give away um, and intend on being patient in finding a right fit. 
Uh, he commented saying the Oilers need guys who can play right now. Uh, and as tough as it's been, he's a fourth overall pick, and he's still very young. Could see patient approach here if return isn't there. Don't know if it's a so-so draft picks are going to get it done. So Ryan Rashog commented more on this, and um, man, it seems like was mentioned in that clip that a third-round pick may be what the Edmonton Oilers ultimately accept for a former fourth overall Hey, I think that's worth the risk. If you're, if we're talking about the Vancouver Canucks taking a look at this, I would absolutely do it. It's a young player. I still see potential, even even if he turns out to be, you know, a really good third line guy. Maybe he doesn't quite have the offense for the NHL, but but I happen to think he might. So hey, I I think it's it's worth the roll of the dice. Yeah, absolutely. And Puliyarvi's agent said it doesn't make sense to go back. Uh, where we were last season it's it's not good for either side discussions about uh, parting ways have been going on for weeks already uh, yes he needs a fresh start and it's nothing against the Oilers so regardless of the new regime coaching staff everything um Jesse Pugliarvi is seemingly going to find a new home in the National Hockey League because he's a young player obviously he wants to stay in the NHL his agent has said this um you know the, the Edmonton Oilers have come out and said this he'd rather stay here than than go back to Europe because that's the last option obviously he can be a pro play, player in Europe and be a star there but you want to make your money and have a chance to start him in the National Hockey League especially when you were touted and drafted that high it's funny how that top five that year ended up it really is. It really is. Um, I, I don't know. I'm. I. I accept that. I was maybe wrong about Puliyarvi. I still think his drafting was uh, was impeded. Or sorry, his draft. His development was impeded heavily with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, but I, I thought. I, I, I just don't think it's over though for him. I don't think so. But I thought, regardless of that shitstorm, that he would. Be a be a more productive player because we've seen the likes of you know Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall, Jordan no, Eberle, and you know in the shitstorm who were able to put up you know respectable sixty to eighty point seasons. So that's all I want to say on that matter. Let's move on to again an article, folks, that I really encourage you to read. Uh, William Douglas, writer of the Color of Hockey blog. Uh, of NHL.com. He, uh, he's the one who wrote this article that we're sharing. Douglas joined NHL.com to write about people of color in the game of hockey. Recently, he profiled coach Jasmine Miley. Um, and Miley says, one of the major things uh, was to bring diversity and change to culture, said Miley, an Afro-Latino woman from Queens, New York, who began playing hockey at age 13. It's very rare to see a person of color playing or coaching hockey. I want to be one of those girls for girls to look up to. Miley, who's 24 years old, is a former collegiate player. Um, she's on track to reach that goal as the new coach of the Carolina Junior Hurricanes under 16 a girls program um william douglas highlights her story and it's great stuff and we'll share the article for you at stick and ring pod on twitter and finally another uh another heartwarming story here i guess grafton north dakota's chad demirs is to serve as full-time assistant coach and scouting director for the ushl's fargo force Form- formerly a member of the usa air force and the fargo force you know, team as a player when he was younger. Um, he was also coach of the North Dakota Spoilers High School Championship team. Uh, Chad was volu- how Sorry, how was that for a name, though? The Spoilers. The Spoilers. You, you just got spoiled. We spoil your chances. Chad, <laughs> Chad began volunteering <laughs> to coach with uh, the USHL club that season. Dylan, you always highlight the names. Last season, 
um, upon recovering from cancer treatment. He was released from the Air Force and with apparently only two years to live, Demers is actually doing well these days and isn't expected to live much longer than two years and is going all in with coaching at the USHL club. It's an amazing story as per the Grand Forks Herald. The spoilers, former championship coach, Chad Demers, stick taps to you, sir. That was pretty quick, eh, Dylan? All right, let's get into our NHL talk, and it's brought to you by our friends at AutoSmile. AutoSmile has been a staple in Nanaimo since the early 80s. They started as a small detail shop and have grown into so much more. They truly are a one-stop shop. They do everything from window tinting, full vinyl wraps, expel paint protection, film to spray inbox liners, and have a full detailing service. So come down and see them for all tours and needs or inquiries. They're located at 3851 Shenton Road, Nanaimo, right behind Steve Marshall Ford. And you can find them at AutoSmile Limited on all social media. Dylan, let's get in to some National Hockey League talk. That's not... What is this stuff on here? We're talking about saving the world and all that stuff. Let's talk hockey. And man, there's just so much to talk about that we've struggled to get through it all. We really have. Yeah. Well, that's why we're moving. We're moving some of it to, to next week, part two of a episode hundred. Part two, free agent frenzy, and a little bit, a little bit on to uh, the radio show this oh. this Sunday. Oh, how are you? And then finally, you How's know, that for a teaser? Cleaning up the scraps and uh, recent news on uh, July twenty eighth. Hey, there's still there a couple of players out there. There's still a couple names out there that I have to drop. There's a few trades that are, that are going to go down. Especially in the for next, the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, especially for the Vancouver Canucks because of, you know, recent signings. So it's going to be a fun few weeks. So there you go. Free Agent Frenzy Talk Part 2 this Sunday on CHLY 101.7 FM as we wrap up uh, the other notable names that were signed on July 1st. I mean, last week we talked about the Panarins, Bobrovsky, you know, Wayne Simmons, Duchesne, Pavelski, Myers, and those pair of Toronto motherfuckers. Um, so we, we won't even mention their names. Still plenty of names to talk about from July 1st, as I mentioned, so join us Sunday, 4 to 7 p.m. for more hockey and free agent talk. In the meantime, uh, we do want to highlight these recent topical names that have signed since July 1st. Uh, and the following, I mean, we're going to start with Toronto. Uh, with an impressive summer, Dylan. It w- sucks you, to say, but it's an impressive summer. Would you call them the winners of this summer? Or is it yet to be seen with the whole market? There situation? you go. It's yet to be seen. Overall, but though, so far, I, I mean, think they've, they've done the best that they could to either prepare to bring this guy back or to continue life without him do you th- do you think that's the case though i mean they did they did they got add Kapanen a couple and, and uh, johnson no that's true they got them at a great deal so i mean that does help but like we said with the vancouver canucks there's going to be a trade with the toronto maple leafs there's also going to be a trade there has to be a trade yeah um but before we get into the player acquisition i mean dave hackstall um former i, I believe he coached uh, for north dakota um, for the the Fighting Hawks, uh, the you know, Troy Stetcher and Brock Besser's former team before coaching the Philadelphia Flyers in the NHL. Um, the, the Philadelphia franchise as a whole, the ownership, they didn't want to wait for the the slow rebuild, for the, the slow development, and um, and for, for some of these young players to marinate, for lack of a better term. So uh, Dave Hackstall, along with Ron Hextall, both got the boot, uh, I believe it was last season. Anyways, he's back. Toronto Maple Leafs assistant coach this season. Yeah, I know. I think it's another good move. I mean, 
Whenever, highly regarded coach. Whenever you can get a guy who's head coach caliber and you add him on as an assistant, I, I think that's a pretty good look for your, for your team. More tools in the, in the toolbox. Right? Yeah, and you, and you know the Toronto Maple Leafs are a team that can afford to do that. They can that's pay the him thing. more than some head coaches are getting. Well, they probably are. Oh, and, and we we I think we know. There's a f- it's a fact he's making more than Ron Brindamore. Yeah, it is exactly. Ron that's Brindamore that's kind of what I was hinting at. Um, Toronto though, and this is to kind of piggyback off of what we talked about in this opening segment. Even if they lose Marner, they got Kapanen back, they got Johnson back, and now they've signed Alex Kerfoot, who you know they avoided going to arbitration with. Um, he signs a four-year deal worth fourteen million dollars, three point five annual average value and, and again like i said avoiding arbitration that's the key thing here dylan i can't believe that uh that they came to this deal and i think it's a solid deal i'll be honest i i think this is a steal it makes me I, sick it makes me sick but i think <laughs> it's a steal at 3.5 million dollars this guy 24 years old 24 has only played two seasons in the nhl and in his first two seasons he's been an over 40 point guy and he hasn't even reached his potential yet because apparently, you know, sometimes he was in the doghouse for the for the Colorado Avalanche. Sir, so there were uh, spurts of him just playing outstanding hockey, but there were also times where I believe he he was scratched or that you know he just fell out of favor with the coach. He's still a younger player, but uh, this guy hasn't even hit his ceiling yet. I mean, you look at his college numbers, and obviously he wanted to stay at Harvard um, and to, to a get get that education and and b um, to to kind of choose his own fate coming into the national hockey league. you know he chose the colorado avalanche um even though they were a crappy team at the time because he knew he was going to get ice time and be able to develop yeah and i i like the fact that he went through the full four years at harvard yeah me too and, and i mean the he captain in his last season and you can see his progression if you just look at the stats i mean i mean if you just looked at his harvard stats you might not think this guy will be an nhl scorer but look how look how he's become i mean i think this guy's a solid 20 to 25 goal scorer in the future well and he can play playoff hockey though he hasn't been super successful in his first two uh seasons playing playoff hockey he came in as a rookie not expecting this colorado avalanche team to make the playoffs i mean dylan we weren't expecting it uh either in 2017 and 2018 he only he got two goals in six playoff games and then this last year um three points in 12 games but let's be honest we know who was stealing the show for the colorado avalanche this year in the playoffs it was that top line of mckinnon rantanen and then you know insert every other player that you know got a little got a little time with yeah them. no they're they're an exciting team to watch they really are um they also signed cody Cece. Yeah, a one-year deal of four point five like million dollars. I like it. I mean, he was acquired in the the trade with the Ottawa Senators. They did have to re-sign them, and we I think hinted at this last week, Dylan. That we were like, or we we asked this last week, like, how the hell is Toronto going to sign all these players? A, if they have to sign Mitch Marner, but also B, like, if they just want to keep them all in general. They all took a little bit of a pay cut to stay on this team, I think. It really seems like it because, I mean, look at market value and look at what these guys are getting paid. I mean, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, they're definitely taking a pay cut. Whether or not Marner's going to take that pay cut too, I'm not sure. And it's it's kind of funny, though, when, you know, the third, second-line guys are taking pay cuts so the top-line guy can get a few million more, you know, it's it's kind of a joke in my opinion. A but little hey. bit. But Cody CC he didn't get he didn't take a pick necessarily in no I don't a- think annual he did. average value. I mean he he's making four point five million dollars, 
but he's only signed on for one year. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's it's really a show me contract, I guess. But it's also just a Stop contract for of, the of the situation. Yeah, yeah. stopgap for the Maple Leafs. He's a salt. You know, he's put up twenty six points as a career high twice. Um, once in 2015-16 and last year, and that kind of says something, playing for an absolute garbage Ottawa Senators team, um, though he was a minus 22, he played a ton of minutes, and he was still able to put up some offense. So imagine now, with the Toronto Maple Leafs team, the amount of points that he may put up. I mean, fucking Nikita Zaitsev in his first season with the Maple Leafs put north of 40 points, so... Pff. Cody Ceci, he could, be a, he could be a great catch this season, and I'm interested to see depending on if Mitch Marner is a Maple Leaf this year and depending on how they play next year, if he's going to be a Maple Leaf come next season. Yeah, I'm scared. I'm scared of the Toronto Maple Leafs next year. So. I'm a little bit, but hey, they're an Eastern team. So at the end of the day, we get enough uh, Toronto Maple Leafs news shoved down our throat. I'm glad I don't have to watch all of their games. Though they're a great team. They're a great team. My girlfriend's going to get pissed off because she's a Maple Leafs gal. I'll admit they're a good team, but... Like I said, I'm sick of it being shoved down our throats. It's actually been relatively quiet. Recently, it has been, though. yeah, because I think it's they're scared. Nice. It's been. <laughs> I think they're scared. Um, let's, scared let's for different mo- reasons. <laughs> yeah, let's move down the uh, the old St. Lawrence River oh. to Montreal, where they have signed Ben. How do you say his last name? Is it Chirot? Chirot. Okay. I mean, now they're going to pronounce it Chirot. Chirot. Okay. Uh, ben Chirot has signed with the Montreal Canadiens a 10.5 million dollar contract. That's worth. million over three years. Yeah, and he essentially replaces Jordy Ben. Uh, Apparently, he's just a little bit better of a hockey player, a little bit of a smarter player, can log more minutes, and last year put up a career high of 20 points. So there's some offense there. Um, I think maybe it's a a smidgen of an overpayment, but to be perfectly honest, and, and a guy who loves a defensive position, I didn't watch a ton of Winnipeg Jets games last season, and I'm not a huge Ben Sherratt expert, but clearly, from what I've heard, I mean, um, uh, Ray Ferraro loves him, and he thinks that this deal, um, well, he didn't comment on this deal per se, but he he said that whatever this guy gets in that $3 million range is fair value, and that no team was probably going to sign him long-term anyway, so... Yeah, let's be honest, Uh, a three-year deal at 3.5... There's not a lot of risk in that. Well, the Montreal Canadiens needed to, you know, fill in that gap that Jordy Ben left, and now I think they get an overall better defenseman. So it's a win for them. So, uh, God damn it, win for Montreal and Toronto. Oof, the East Coast one just podcast? be winning. Oh, what is this? I'm not liking it. Uh, Let's move back west. We're going back to the west. Uh, the The Colorado Avalanche have signed Nikita Zadorov to a one year contract worth three point two million dollars. Yeah, so they re-signed uh, Zadorov upon dealing Tyson Berry. Uh, Zadorov, I, I don't want to say he he hasn't lived up to his potential because I don't think he was projected to come in and be a puck-moving point-getter in the National Hockey League. Uh, he does have a career high of 20 points that he put up last season. He put up 14 points this year, uh, 7 goals and 7 assists, and no points in the playoffs. He, he's developed into more of a shutdown guy, and this is a, a show-me contract for the 24-year-old who's played in the, na- the National Hockey League since 2016-17 in a, in a regular role. Yeah, I mean, he's a big bruiser. I mean, 6'5", 230. This guy can dish out the hits. It's uh, it's important, I think, to have that element on your blue line. So I think Zadarov is 
uh, you know, a pretty valuable piece to a team. But I agree with you. I mean, there, I think there's more potential. There's a little bit more that he can bring out in his in his game, now, and that's why you know the the one year contract. And I know he lacks. Let, let's be frank, hockey sense. I know a lot of Avs players are critical about you know just some of his uh, hockey play decisions. But as far as just defending in his own zone, from from what I've seen and following the Avs in the last few seasons, um, he, he's improved tremendously. And uh, it's a show me contract. They need help on defense right now. And if he kind of plateaus. I think, you know, Joe Sackick is like, okay, well, the player didn't develop, but if he's still going to bring us what he's bringing us now and I can get him on a cheaper deal long-term, maybe that's a win-win for the Avs. Hey, and I mean, yeah, exactly. And you, you, right now, you're not tied down to him. Realistically, how much is the price going to go up? So I, I think it's a great situation for the Avs to be in. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of great situations to be in, the Buffalo Sabres, Dylan, we're going to talk more about them um, in, in a moment here. Um, or later in the show, rather. But uh, the Buffalo Savers sign scoring depth player Marcus Johansson to a $9 million contract. It's a three-year deal worth 3.3 average annual value. You know what? I think this is, this is honestly a great signing. Um, it's it's a hell of a signing for the Buffalo Sabres. And at good value, like you said before. I mean, it's it's a 40-point guy. You're getting him under $4 million, well under $4 million. He's not going to have to play center, which um, when he played center for the Washington Capitals, you know, his he wasn't... He wasn't primarily a go-to offensive player. You know, he played more of that two-way role. He played more of that playmaking role. He's decent at, you know, just being an offensive first player uh, on the wing. And I think that's why he was essentially picked up f- uh, for, you know, to the Buffalo Sabres. Because now, man, they're deep um, in the for- at forward. Yeah, they are deep. And, you know, it, it gives... You know, they're they're young guys options to play with. It gives them plenty of guys to surround them with, you know. And different line combinations too now for this young and that's, team that's again. What I'm getting that, at. Yeah, and yeah. that's turning the page, right? Exactly. So, you know, you know, with Jack Eichel going down the road, maybe it takes him playing with two different wingers, two, two three different guys. You know, to maybe see what clicks. Exactly. And you know, everyone knows coming into the season, everyone has line combinations written out. Then by, you know, second third week that's all out the door it doesn't matter because you know lines change all the time so uh, yeah i just at the end of the day it's important to have that depth and if you can do it cheaply like they just did that's a win-win and another thing too like what if casey middlestat you know is turns out to be a better winger than a centerman then hey maybe you can you know and this is kind of backtracking everything i said but then you can maybe plug marcus johansson in at that third line center role and let casey middlestat be the one who uh, runs the offense, I guess. Yeah, it's or is the mean, offensive first it's, player. It's all about having those options, and uh, at the end of the day, I think Buffalo is going to have a pretty damn good team. Well, they're, they're they have so many top defenders too. You know, top four defenders that they can acquire another uh, great forward, a younger defense piece, or even a, a draft pick. Uh, you know, moving forward, you know, potentially even this summer. And there's plenty of partners out there. I mean, we know there, there's at least five to ten teams that. I think need to make a trade or need to make some sort of move. Um, at least five teams out there. And there, so there's plenty of trade partners out there uh, that, that need a young defenseman. Yeah. And um, Rasmus Ristolainen, I think he's a, he's an option that, uh, that, that could be, I mean, he, we've heard his name on the block for months now, um, but we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. Let, let's move on here, Dylan, because I, I have to talk to you about this. Um, I want our listeners to know. So so listen up. Danton Heinen and Zach Sanford 
respectfully earn decent contracts for, contracts for their playoff performances. Heinen uh, with a 5.6 two-year deal, $2.8 million cap hit in Boston. And Zachy Pukey, McPuke Sanford <laughs> uh, with a $3 million two-year deal, $1.5 AAV in St. Louis. Fucking Kevin LeBanc, who outperformed both of these players above in the regular season and in the playoffs, signed the most homerest of hometown discounts at a measly one-year, one-million-dollar deal with the San Jose Sharks. I mean, is he not the best fucking towel guy there is? I think Kevin LeBanc has just he's gained the respect of everybody in the hockey world. Don't forget to bring a towel. Oh, I mean, how much money do you think Big Joe and Carlson are slipping him in cash? Oh, they're slipping him the table hardcore, yeah. Like, pff, bags of money for this. Yeah, absolutely. Bags of money. He's a, I mean, let, let's get his stats up there, Dylan. He's, I believe, north of a 50-point player in the regular season, and he was a beast in the playoffs. I know he wasn't an offensive darling in the playoffs from the top of my head, but he was such an effective player. Here we go. Yeah, I mean, in the playoffs, he still he put up nine good. points yeah. in 20 games. Four goals. Last year, this guy put up 56 Jesus points, and the year before, Christ. he put up 40. Okay, that's insane that 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 should be able to fetch you a four or five million dollar contract and that's being you know what conservative this may be a hot take but should the should the league have not disapproved this deal and been like actually no this guy's a 40 to 50 point player if other 40 to 50 point players you know a la philadelphia are getting paid seven million dollars you are you're not allowed to sign him for that cheap we will not allow it that's a minimum entry level fucking deal give or take a hundred grand yeah i mean i guess there's an argument there because i really think you well know, it's like it's, why it's why cheating do, why why <laughs> why do deals like this even have to be sent to the league if if they can be this egregious that that's a good point and i know yeah sure it's, it's within the parameters of the rules but you just brought up the point there that it has to go through a a screening process um i, I guess you know some sort of approval process for it to become official and this seems a little dirty. This is something, you know, the Mike Gillis regime would have done with the Vancouver Canucks, I think, eh? I just, I don't know, Kevin LeBanc, maybe you should look for a new agent. Maybe you should look for a new bank. Um, How are you? Lastly, Michael Furlan signs the in, dog. in Vancouver today, Dylan. Uh, let's be quick and concise here on this one because... Uh, well, it won't be today for the folks. Yeah, we're going to... Yeah, I guess it'd be uh, Wednesday. Um, we're, we're going to save our emotions for the radio show on Ooh. Sunday because that's when we'll get real fired up about oh, the Vancouver Canucks up. fans' reaction to this and just we'll further dissect what it means for the Vancouver Canucks moving forward in the uh, Vancouver Canucks segment, the Canucks weekly wrap-up. But the, for the sake of uh, wrapping up all the free, the recent free agent signings here on the Stick and Rink podcast, um, let, let's get into it. Um $14 million. It's a four-year deal at $3.5 uh, a season. I honestly think this is this is good value for a player that, sure, the Canucks need offense first, but they also need what Michael Furlan can bring, which is essentially what Jake Vertanen is not bringing the Vancouver Canucks. I think if, if Michael Furlan can stay healthy throughout this entire contract, I think this might end up being a steal. I mean, this guy could... I mean, he's progressed every year he's played in the NHL. And I do, I like that. Yeah, and I mean, some might argue, yeah, he went from 21 to 17, you know, last year of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, 
he was banged up towards the end of the season, and he does slow down towards the end of the season. He doesn't regularly. It, it's a trend. He doesn't put up points yep. in the last thirty games, but at, Only at least played he still puts up points games as well. Yeah. He missed. Uh, That's true. That's he, true. He missed over ten games, banged up, and you know he's going to be playing with some pretty good players on the Vancouver Canucks. I think he he'll be a consistent forty to fifty point guy. He's a top six player. Sure, he doesn't play the new age top six brand. But his points back it up. He can score goals in the dirty areas, and he looks Burroughs-esque doing it. You know, I, I rewatched not just his highlights, but just a ton of his gameplay, you know, his hits, where he gets into the um, dominant areas on the ice uh, for about an hour today. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm okay with this. And I, I think it's a slap in the face to him and his development when armchair GM and writers out there saying that, you know, he, he's not worth this. He's progressed every single season. Hey, coming out of junior, the ECHL, back in the AHL, he's he's progressed every single every single career or every single year rather in his career of uh, both junior and professional hockey. I mean, the points don't lie, and yeah, he slows down in the end of the season. But he's probably banged up at the end of the season. He fights a ton. He hits over 130 hits last year, I think, Dylan, around that area. Isha, I, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Who would you rather take on your team? A Michael Furland who can, you know, put up 20 goals. He can put up 40 points consistently. We know that about Michael Furland at $3.5 Despite million. slowing down and being injured. Yeah. So all that in consideration. $3.5 million at four years. Or would you rather have... A Kevin Hayes at um, north of seven million dollars, and realistically, you're getting around the same production. Maybe, maybe you get an additional five points with Kevin Hayes or a penalty kill, uh, penalty yeah, kill spot. Exactly. So, is that worth the additional, you know, four plus million dollars? You you can get two Michael Furlins for the price of a Kevin Hayes, and they're both top six guys. I mean, there's not much difference in between those two players. Yeah, like Kevin Hayes maybe is a slightly better player, so a, I'll mil- give him that. a million dollars more here and there. And yeah, he's been in the league longer and has been more consistent. But to answer your question, Dylan, and this is a fucking outstanding point in comparison, I'd rather have two fucking Michael Furlins than one Kevin Hayes. I'm sorry, I'd rather have 80 points coming out of a player who, sure, maybe doesn't play the penalty kill that much, but who can bring... Uh, a spark to your team, and that's what he does. Like he's a he's a rat out there Man, on the ice. Vancouver Canucks know know that better than anybody. You should, anyways, know that better than anyone from uh, that first season where Bo Horvat even you know had any opportunity to play playoff hockey with the Canucks. Yeah, it's it's and he ran him over. And I mean, pe- people that are complaining about the contract. I mean, Isha, we ha- we actually have another example of of why this is a great contract. Yeah, so two guys I respect in the hockey world, uh, Matt Larkin of the Hockey News. You can give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already. At uh, the Hockey or T H N Matt Larkin. I'm gonna read them out here, Dylan, and then we can just dive into it quick and I'll hear your thoughts. Uh, Matt Larkin tweeted. When you realize Michael Furlan got the same AAV as Brandon Tanev for less term, it either looks good for the Vancouver Canucks or bad for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So quickly, uh, let's dive into to Brandon Tanev's uh, points as a comparison. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Brandon Tanev because I happen to think he's a useful player on a hockey he's team. He's a very serviceable player. But in his entire NHL career in 195 games, he has 51 points. Realistically, I can see Michael Furland getting that in one season. Last year, Brandon that's a Tanev, bad season. <laughs> that's a, last year Brandon Tanev put up twenty nine points, 
14 goals in 80 in 80 games. Bit of a coming out party for him. I mean, it was a great season, but at the end of the day, if you're comparing contracts, if you're looking at the production of these players, it's looking like the Michael Furland deal was actually pretty damn good. Yeah, and I was joking there saying it's a bad season because hell, the, even if he puts up 51 points and then maybe slows down the last 20 games uh, the, and the Canucks miss the playoffs, they're, they're going to say it's a bad contract. It's a bad contract. It, it handcuffs the Canucks for the next four years. They're not going to be able to sign Pedersen because he has limited no-move clause or no-trade on the third year or whatever. I don't have the breakdown right in front of me, but I did like this tweet from uh, Matt Larkin. And, and moving on... Well, last thing about oh, Brandon yeah, yeah. Tanev... Um, his birthday is on New Year's Eve, so no one even gives a shit about it. There you go. No one gives a shit about him. There you go. I think, Dylan, overall, when, when I engage with people, they think that we're defending the regime overall. It's like there's been mistakes, the rebuild, or whatever term you want to use for it. We've been what, pissed at some moves. Yeah, the, the, the rebuild didn't happen properly. We can yeah. agree. It, it, yeah. it was a, they tried to rebuild on the fly. They tried to compete, and they tried to rebuild too late. It's over. What they have now in a young core as thin as it may be, is what they have to roll with moving forward. So that's why this summer, sure, they have a lot of contracts now because they still have Sutter, they still have Beagle, they still have Erickson. Nothing they did this summer is is making the team worse. It made them better. It made them better. And, you know, there's plenty of moves you can make down the road. So, I, I mean, Canucks fans that are getting all worried about, you know, not being able to keep Patterson or Hughes or whoever it may be, I mean, give your head a shake. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, we, we're going to get into it more, believe it or not. We're going to get into it more in the Canucks Weekly Wrap-Up as this story transpires. CHLY 101.7 this Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. As always, you can download the podcast if you miss any part of the show. Um, okay, let's get into uh, some trades. You know, we didn't get into all the trades that transpired prior to the NHL uh, free agent frenzy. So let's run down uh, the trades that went down, Dylan, late in June before we quickly cover um, the most recent one that went down uh, Tuesday, this Tuesday. Yankee Swap! On June 27th, the Carolina Hurricanes acquired forward Eric Holla from the Vegas, Vegas Golden Knights for forward Nicholas Roy and a conditional fifth-round draft pick in the 2021 NHL draft. So as we gear up uh, to take on uh, the soda pod come next season you know i've been Ooh. doing a, a ton of research on the minnesota wild you know eric Halla, former minnesota wild where uh he put up uh, ain't that wild 34 points and then 26 before which were his career highs before joining the vegas golden knights where he put up 55 in 2017 2018 their inaugural season 29 goals. I mean, that was a hell of a year. Everyone for, was scoring that season. Yeah, I mean, a hell of a year for Eric Hall. And, you know, it's kind of funny. The Minnesota Wild uh, gave up a draft pick. It gave up some assets so that the Vegas Golden Knights wouldn't take a certain player. And they ended up giving up Eric Hall anyways, a, a guy who put up 29 goals. Well, like William Carlson, he was uh, more of a two-way guy in Minnesota. Turned out he had he had a lot more offense in his game. Yeah, I mean it's 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 funny what can happen when there's nobody ahead of you. For Eric Hall in, in Minnesota, I mean there's plenty of guys ahead of him in the depth chart. It, it was tough to break that top six, but yeah, in Vegas, true. I mean he just got that chance. Uh, but you know I think he's gonna I think he's gonna fit in quite well in Carolina. Yeah, I, I like it too. Um, the poorly finished native, he was injured, banged up at the end of last season, so he didn't play any playoff games for the Vegas 
Golden Knights. But uh, like I said, I think he's going to fit right into the Carolina Hurricanes. And if they make the playoffs out east again, he's the type of player that they want. Someone who can play a bottom six role and play shut down, um, you know, dirty style, old school style hockey, but who can also be smart offensively and play that positional game as well. So I, no, I think it's a, it's a solid trade. The Golden Knights have been busy this week. They really have been. On June 28th, the Golden Knights made a little schwang dangle deal with the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres acquired Colin Miller from the Vegas Golden Knights for a second-round draft pick in the 2021 draft and a fifth-round draft pick in the 2022 draft. So, yeah, we, we were talking about this earlier. The Buffalo Sabres are loading up on defenders so they're gearing up to make a move Colin Miller still relatively young a right-handed shot defenseman I mean the Buffalo Sabres are so deep on that right side right now um he put up 41 points again that inaugural season with the Vegas Golden Knights and respectable 29 in uh 65 games compared to 82 uh his first season with the Golden Knights so a solid puck moving defender who you know he can play sound defense as well it's kind of funny. When you look at the Vegas Golden Knights stats, it's almost like every player had the sophomore slump after that first season. Well, yeah. It kind of, of brought them back to earth. And, and you know, looking at his stats, you can realistically expect him to be a 30, 35-point guy on the back end, which I think is super valuable. Yeah, Vegas Golden Knights. They're busy. The Buffalo Sabres have been busy. Just quickly back to that last trade, I just... I just forgot to give him some pub here, but Nicholas Roy, who was involved in the deal, not necessarily a highly touted prospect, Dylan. I mean, if you want to even call him a prospect, he's 22 years old. He's played a, a full season in the American, or two full seasons in the American Hockey League where he put up just north of 35 points. Impressively, though, he got 15 points, six goals in 19 playoff games for the Charlotte Checkers, winning their um, Calder Cup. Um, on June 28th, the Colorado Avalanche acquired forward Andre Burakovsky from the Washington Capitals for minor league forward Scott Kosmachuk and and a second and a third round draft pick in the 2020 draft. What hell of a name, Kosmachuk. Hell of a name there. Um, Burakovsky, I mean, he was even linked to Vancouver on various occasions last season, you know, mid-season and... Uh, I, th I believe a few weeks prior to the draft, we talked about Burkowski talks heating up. Um, a player who has not reached his full potential yet, Dylan. A player who has only been able to really dig out a spot in the bottom six for the Washington Capitals. Again, in the playoffs for them, we've seen him. We've seen his offensive talents shine. We've seen flashes. Hell, I've seen his defensive game re really shine, but it doesn't seem like he's been able to put two and two together in an entire game. Um, his entire career. It seems like in one game, he's either full-on defensive or in one game, he's full-on offensive. And then those other sidebar games, he's just a little confused. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, he can be a ghost sometimes and not just a ghost for one or two games. It's almost like it's 10, 15 games at a time. But it's not like he's that's a liability. The that's the thing. It's just like, no, we need true. more from you. If and, you're that talented. And I think, you know, given the opportunity, I would hope that he could put up some more points. I know with the Washington Capitals, he, he did have some chances in the top six. I mean, he, it's not like he was down on the fourth, third line the entire time. 
Um, so no, he, he was, especially when there were injuries on that team, he was the guy, he was one of the first guys that they called up, you know, he was able to, you know, play some time with Ovechkin, with, uh, with Backstrom. And I believe in the first season that Evgeny Kuznetsov came into the league for a lot of the time, um, Andre Burkowski was on his line because that's when he was kind of, uh, developing and getting his feet wet in the national hockey league as well. Pretty consistent though. And, and that's the thing. Like, I just think there's more to pop. He's 24 years old, first season, 22 points in 53 games, nine goals. So that's what really excited the fan base, myself included, and then followed up with his career high of 38 points and 17 goals. And he's kind of plateaued you know from there 35 point season then back to back 25 point season mind you not in a full 82 season of NHL hockey and you know as as far as the return for the Washington Capitals I think they did pretty good you know getting a second and a third round draft pick you know another another depth forward um for the organization and you know value wise they did all right if if they were if they were done with Burakovsky I don't think they could have done much better no I agree um a cool you know developmental story too um an Austrian player who developed in the Swiss, uh, or sorry, in the the Swedish league, and then one year in the OHL where he absolutely tore it up with the Erie Otters, uh, eighty seven points and forty one goals in fifteen games, ten goals for thirteen points in fourteen playoff games. How are you, Canada? How are you? All right, more trades. We got more, folks. This one more uh, more recent one actually. This went down earlier this week. July 10th, folks, the Chicago Blackhawks acquired Alexander Nylander. That's right, the Nylander from the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, They shipped over Henry Yokiharu. Another great, I think he's been a name of the game. He must have been. He's been a name of the game, or he was months ago now. I think early on in the, in sticking. Might even be years ago at this point. Probably was. Um, Man, again, a a Buffalo Sabres acquiring a young defender. Yeah, that seems to be the trend here. I mean, they're, they're really gearing up for something they're, huge. They're gearing up for something, and, and you might be right. I mean, it might be a pre-existing, you know, high-value guy that they might want to move out, like Aristolainen. You know, if they are shoring up with guys like this, you can't imagine they're getting guys like this to move them again. Exactly. And quickly before we open that conversation, let's talk about Alex Nylander, a right shot winger who can play either side. Twenty-one years old. Um, and he was drafted, you know, eighth overall in 2016. He just hasn't reached his potential at all yet. Um, developed in Sweden in the Super Elite League. He had a cup of coffee uh, in the Alsvenska Division Two League. Um, he played in the OHL. He played in the AHL. And he hasn't really been able to crack the the Buffalo Sabres lineup um, regularly. This is just going to be one of those goddamn cases where you know a young high Pick goes to Chicago. The guy wasn't working out where he was oh, before. God, you're right. Goes to Chicago and just pops off. It's like you know Dylan Strome. It's like you know there's plenty of other guys who just popped off in Chicago. Just doesn't even start in the AHL where he actually came off a career high 31 points and 12 goals in 49 games. He's just gonna start right in the show and watch. Yeah. Put 20 goals up with like a Patrick Kane or something. It's no. gonna happen. I'm uh, calling it, it right now. It, it seems to be happening um, a lot. But um, Henry Yokiharu, I actually had him on my fantasy. Uh, team early in the season because that's when he, he went on a string of like 10 points in, in 11 games or something uh close to that he he his offense um and just play dried up 
clearly, and he uh, spent some time in the American League as well. But a solid, solid prospect, um, going 29th overall in 2017. I remember, he was announced uh, in Chicago. I think Patrick <laughs> Kane and uh, Jonathan Taves were there to to announce it. You know, kind of kind of like the gimmick of the Sedins coming out for the uh, the Vancouver draft. But they were pumped. Those fans, not only because the event was there in Chicago, but clearly they knew about this kid, and uh, he he's something special. But he gone. He gone. He gone. Um, so let's get into this Buffalo uh, conversation quick. Um, they've acquired three right-handed puck-moving defensemen since February. And is this not the time to get a huge piece back for, like Dylan said, Rasmus Ristolainen? Um, I'm going to quickly get Rasmus Ristolainen's stats up. I know his, uh, you know, in the analytic world and with the eye test, he's not the the most defensively inclined defender he's not defense first he's get that puck out of the offense or into the offensive zone first whether i'm going to skate it up there or making a beautiful pass he's got a nice shot from the blue line he's an offensive first guy and he makes decent money for the amount of production that he uh that he posts up i mean he's a 40 point defender at i believe just under five million dollars or just around that area and you know some back ends need that offensive presence you can't just have guys that are good stable defensemen you i have mean to have a balance you have to have a balance i mean if you're if your team's like that you're, you're going to get no production from your back end and if you don't have an amazing forward group you're not going to win games because you're not going to score goals uh so you know he i think he's a pretty valuable guy like you said man this guy's a consistent 40 point defenseman and that's that's a hard thing to do in this league especially for a team like the buffalo sabers over the last four years yeah and he's a five point four million dollar cap it for the next two seasons so an affordable player who's gonna give you 40 points in the bank sure he's gonna be an offensive liability liability at times but if you pair him up with someone who's a defense first guy it's not like he's gonna fuck up that much he's a 40 point player in the national hockey league i mean he's not that much of a liability just buffalo hasn't had the pieces to make it all work yet clearly they haven't made the playoffs in the last couple years with a plethora of of talented hockey players both on the defensive side and the offensive side so something's got to give yeah i mean if ristolainen can end up in a situation where he's paired up with a really great defensive guy we, we might not be having conversations about how he's a liability because you won't even notice them. There you go. Um, sure, they may be there in, in small spurts. That seems to be the word of the day, spurts. But only J.D. Burke's going to know about it. <laughs> I'm not getting into that right now. We can save that for the radio <laughs> show. Um, shout out to the, the Twitter, um, those uh, people on Twitter who were uh, calling them out. We love you. <laughs> shout, out to the, shout out to the Twitter people. The Twitter people. Um... Some final NHL news topics before we wrap it up. Uh, serious concerns that the Vancouver Canucks forward Sven Berchi may retire this season, Dylan, uh, from the National Hockey League. I mean, he may play overseas, but there's a significant chance that he may walk away from the game entirely. Now, Sportsnet reporting that his agent said he's a 100% healthy. The question is, does Sven want his health to remain that way? Because in the National Hockey League... Uh, uh, with the type of brand of uh, or the the type of style that he plays, I don't know if that's gonna happen. Man, I don't know. I just spill water, fucking everywhere. Oh shit! Just all see. over myself. But uh, you know, it's not much. It's not. It's not worse than what Sven Berchi's going through. Um, uh, multiple concussions, and he tried to come back last season. He was unable to. And it's it is a shame because I mean, 
we both really like Sven Berchi's game. I do. I, I love how he plays. I think he actually has good offensive potential. So, yeah, it's going to be a shame to see him uh, retire. But if it's if it's the best decision for his health, you know, you've, you've made your bucks. You've made a, you, you know, he's had a couple couple paychecks uh, throughout his career. Um, nothing huge, but you know the last ticket he signed with the Canucks, he, he got three point three that yep. that first year of the deal. So hey, if that's what you need to do, that's that's what you got to do. And if his agent and the team can sell to another team that hey, you got if you surround this guy with uh, with favorable matchups in, in on the third line, don't put him up against the Bruisers and just allow him to play when there's space. He he'll put up points for you. They can still potentially just move that contract and um and just move on from Sven Berchi. He put up fourteen points, nine goals in twenty six games that he played last season. So it's not like he, it's not like he wasn't he wasn't putting up a solid production prior to his injury. But that's kind of like the same. Um, you're eating on air with the styrofoam box. That's the loudest thing for podcasts. <laughs> well, I didn't tell them put it in a styrofoam box. Fair enough, fair enough. But um, I think if the Canucks can have a clean break break from Sven Berchi, um, there there is potential uh, based on his production for uh, for teams to sell him. There's like 60 s- sirens going off in the background. We're talking we about some styrofoam box here. It's just so noisy in the studio today. Um, the National Hockey League wins. Uh, the fifth annual Humanitarian Award from ESPN Sports Humanitarian Awards. Uh, it's for Hockey is for Everyone initiatives, which is supported by the You Can Play um, initiative that's pioneered actually by the Burke family. Uh, Gary Bettman was quoted saying, uh, We as a league created a declaration of principles for the hockey world. First and foremost, it's about uh, inclusiveness and diversity, but it's also about leadership and physical fitness and doing the right things in life um obviously twitter's littered with uh, garbage comments but it's still great to see uh, the league get recognized for this if you go to uh, hockey's for everyone the the website you can see uh, the ambassadors you know such as willie o'ree um all the initiatives that they're doing uh you know worldwide to grow the game and to grow you know the women's game with uh, young uh girls hockey programs and of course um the you can play uh for lgbtq for the lgbtq community to, to feel safe playing hockey and hey, it's it's not often you can find hashtags on Twitter that are about something positive. So there you go. Right, that, that's a win. Great way to wrap up uh, that part of the segment, Dylan. Before um, before we retire this segment, let's uh, let's get into some uh, or a particular player who's retired from the league. Matt Cullen announces retirement after twenty one oh seasons God. in the league. Um, he's a forward on the Stanley Cup team three times he played in 1516 games for eight different teams hell of a career i mean what a career man i mean to to play in the league for over two decades he was never a guy that put up a lot of points but man was was he consistent and, and good at what he did i mean he was he was a shutdown forward he was a grinding type guy but he he really got it done you know what respectable amount of points for his time with the anaheim ducks i guess the mighty ducks back then and uh, also the carolina hurricanes i mean he has 731 uh, career points, 266 goals, and like you said, Dylan, he's primarily a shutdown guy. He's a St. Cloud State um, alumni, uh, played only two years 
um, in the AHL, actually one full season in the AHL before joining uh, Anaheim. He played for Florida, Carolina, the Rangers, um, Ottawa, the Minnesota Wild, the Nashville Predators, the Pittsburgh Penguins, back with the Minnesota Wild, and then back with the Pittsburgh Penguins, baby. And he was, you know, a key player for those Pittsburgh Penguins' recent Stanley Cup runs. Yeah, I think he, you know what, he was a key player for any team he was on because you knew that third line was pretty solid if Matt Cullen was there. Absolutely, and uh, he played more of a shut, like like a shutdown role later in his career. Um, but but kind of you know, and, and they were at different positions, but kind of like Brooks Orpik was for the Washington Capitals, where he was that reliable veteran that was going to get his job done. You know, in Brooks Orpik's case, in the defensive zone, Matt Cullen's case, you know, it was the neutral zone, and you know, feeding his uh, his line mates who in the later uh, stages of his career were definitely the more talented and speedier ones he was feeding them the pocket and just getting the job done which is uh, what we'd like to see from veteran players 42 years old like you said two decades in the league unbelievable career and stick taps to you uh, Matt Cullen hell of a career um, a sad note ending the NHL talk Dylan but we want to recognize former Predators captain Greg Johnson as he dies at the age of 48 years old. The Thunder Bay, Ontario native, um, holds the Nashville Predators team marks for shorthanded goals and shorthanded points. Yeah, very unfortunate. I mean, the guy was so young. You you hate to see that happen. It's uh, terrible for for his family. It you know just to jump into the hockey side of things though. Great career. I mean, you look at the points. They don't tell the whole picture because. You talk about a defensive forward, that's exactly yep. what this guy was. Absolutely. And, and it shows in the stats, you know, in his shorthanded stats. I mean, this this guy was out there for every single big PK that the Nashville Predators had. It's unbelievable. And he had a outstanding college career for the University of North Dakota. Uh, 79 points in his sophomore season. Uh, 74, 64 in 34 games. And he... Uh, Came right into the NHL and just played that role to a T, Dylan, uh, for some great Detroit Red Wings teams early on in his career from 93 to 96. Like you said, he was one of the best two-way forwards in the game, probably, when he was playing for the Nashville Predators, um, and especially for that franchise that you know came into the league as an expansion team and struggled early on. Um, it's cool to see that his last two seasons in the National Hockey League with the Nashville Predators, he, he made the playoffs with them. And that, that's really cool to see when you look through his stats. You know, he started with a Detroit team that made the playoffs uh, consecutively um, and then didn't get playoff hockey, or didn't get to experience playoff hockey for a ton of years. His entire, almost his entire career in Nashville, other than his last two seasons of 2003, 2004, and 2005, uh, 2006. Okay, let's bring on uh, our guests. We have a former WHL stud defenseman, ninth overall pick in the 1984 entry draft, who made a name for himself with five consecutive playoff appearances during his time with the Buffalo Sabres. Now he's an assistant coach for the Victoria Royals. It is an absolute pleasure to introduce fellow Vancouver Islander, local hockey legend, Mr. Doug Bodger. Welcome to the Sticker Rink Podcast. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Um, so how are you enjoying your summer, sir? I know you're far removed from the days of you know letting loose, for lack of a better term, post-hockey season, but our friend uh, the Moj at TSN reminds us and the listeners often that no one enjoys summers better than Mr. Doug Bodger, even today. 
Yeah, I, I, I really do. Uh, I, I enjoy Christmas and summer. That's my favorite times. Uh, um, you know, just back in the day, it was, it was always a long season, and you're, you're traveling, and it's just so good to just kick back, relax, get outside, do some stuff outside. And uh, I played in Buffalo for eight years, and, and there's a lot of inside time in Buffalo if you've never been there. So uh, it gets pretty cold in the winter. So it was, it's just nice if it was kicked back in the summer and take it easy and enjoy all the surroundings of beautiful Vancouver. Well, I was just going to say, you, you sound like an Islander at heart right off the bat. Um, again, thank you for your time. Let, let's jump right into it. Um, by developing through British Columbia and Vancouver Island hockey yourself, um, and now helping out develop those players on the island and in the BCHL and WHL and even the VIJHL to a lesser degree. How has the road to becoming a professional, or at the very least, say, a collegiate hockey player, evolved um, coming from Vancouver Island from your time uh, from a prospect to now the present day? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a process for sure. Uh, um, it's, it's difficult. Um, there's so many players now. Um, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you gotta be talented. Obviously you gotta be, have some luck and you gotta have some skill. And, um, um, it's really hard to describe, but, um, um, coaching is, is one thing you see certain guys and you can help them out any way you can. And, uh, there's so many, and I think the biggest thing is mentally is uh, the biggest challenge for for you know pro guys and and junior guys and uh, uh, the mental side is is the biggest part of the game that uh, like a lot of these kids have to understand. You came into the NHL. Let, let's you know continue on with your story here before we talk about your coaching um, today. But you came into the NHL with you know the legend Mario Lemieux now. I don't think people understand just how amazing an experience that must have been for you as a professional hockey player upon further reflection uh, to both live the dream of playing in the National Hockey League and, you know, playing with a budding legend at the time. Though your team was unsuccessful coming up with the Pittsburgh Penguins the first four years upon being drafted, I mean, describe playing with those guys, you know, Lemieux and, and other guys on the team. And um, did you know he would maybe challenge Gretzky as best in the game as far as comparison wise and numbers? It's funny because you know, of course, he was the first pick overall that year, and I was going to be the ninth pick, and, and I was uh, kind of just in the background. All the attention was on Mario. Uh, you know, in training camp, um, he he was really not interested in practicing or working very hard, and I could be I could hear the old veteran guys going, "Oh, look at our first pick! Like, oh, this guy's terrible." And then the first shift, he went around Ray Bork and beat Pete Peters and scored on his first shift in the National Hockey League, and everybody went, oh, he's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, quite the legendary player. And, you know, I got a lot of points from him. I just passed him the puck. Uh, so talented. His, his mind was so good. Um, at the time, you know, we, we didn't know, but when he went to the Canada Cup and played with those guys, I can't remember the year it was, but uh, it was early 80s, 86, I think, or 85, probably it was 86. He went with those guys in that Canada Cup, and he learned how to play. He he came back, and he was on a mission. He was back-checking. He was a different guy, and uh, which obviously, you know, be hanging around Gretzky and Messier and all those guys really taught him how to become an NHL player, and he took off from there. 
Um, and just before before we move on and, and following uh, the story of your career, Doug, I mean, my dad, he, he's first and foremost a soccer guy, but, you know, throughout the 80s and 90s, he, he followed the National Hockey League, and he is very firm in his argument to me anyways that if Mario had stayed healthy and played the amount of games that Wayne Gretzky had played, that he could have matched or surpassed his points. From someone who played with him and from a former National Hockey League player, I just wanted to get your opinion on that take. Yeah, that that's, that could have been true. You never know. I guess uh, you know, hindsight is whatever. But uh, um, I, I, you know, playing against them both and playing with them with uh, Mario, um, Mario could do it by himself. Like he was a guy that could be a D one on one. He could, he he actually for a big guy, he could skate pretty well. It didn't look like he was skating that fast, but he could actually, you know, he's pretty good on his feet. Um, Gretzky needed his wingers. He needed Curry, he needed Anderson, Messier, and, and Coffey. And I think those guys made him better. But I think Mario, he made guys score 40 goals that nobody ever heard of. So uh, that just tells you the talent that he was. And I, I've, you know, throughout my whole career, I don't think I've ever seen a guy that good. So uh, wow. there you go. It puts, you on, it, puts, it puts him on the stand for me for sure. I mean, wherever my dad is listening to this now, he's he's nodding his head going, I told you so. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're going to hear from that one, yeah. Yeah, all right. So uh, <laughs> you were moved to Buffalo after four seasons upon playing with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you can speak to what facilitated that uh, as well, if you please. But you were, you were moved to a team that did not lack star power while you played with them. I mean, Dave Anderchuk, Phil Housley, Pierre Turgeon, Pat Lafontaine, Tony Tanti, to name a few. But the player I think all of us here in the Canucks market and, and fans of our show want to hear about in particular was Alex Mogilny. Um, what was he like in the room as a young man? Did he share any crazy stories from his journey to North America and defecting from Russia? And ultimately, where is he among the greatest ever play the game in your mind? Uh, Alex, right up there for one. Um, what a great guy. Um, uh, he was very shy, hated the media. Um, used his, I don't understand English very well, but he was perfectly good on English. But <laughs> to look back on uh, what he did and defected from his country, he didn't. He wasn't sure if he was going to see his parents in home um, as an eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old kid. Uh, it was something he started the revolution of the Russians coming over, and uh, he that year he scored seventy six. He could not miss. He was so good. He was so talented. Um, super good guy. Great teammate. Um, you know him with Lafontaine and Anderchuk. You know so, some of the greatest players. You know it was an honor to play with them. Uh, you know I got to play the power play with those guys with Housley and. And, and the Pauly had moved on for Howard Chuck and Andrew Chuck and Lafontaine and Mogilny. Uh, it was the best power play in in his, one of the you know history. I think um, we, we you know we, we could do it all. But uh, Alex was uh, a phenomenal skater, you know, strong, uh, great player, and uh, and one of the top and got of the Hall of Fame, which is uh, uh, obviously or he, I think he's up for the Hall of Fame. He should be in there for sure because. Uh, very talented guy, but like I said, 
media and public, a very shy guy and didn't want the attention as much. And people took that the wrong way, but uh, super nice guy. Yeah, and late in his career, I mean, people in the Vancouver media market who covered him playing for the Canucks kind of mentioned the same thing. Like you said, I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame uh, yet, but he surely will be soon. Um, quickly back to your move to, to Buffalo. What what facilita- facilitated that trade um, out of Pittsburgh? I know there were some budding stars on that team, yourself included, but four years of unsuccessful play on the ice, did that have something to do with it? Um, they needed a goaltender for sure. You know, you could see what was happening. Uh, Pittsburgh, they're drafting. They wanted to go with the young guys. Um, my second year, uh, I heard a rumor I was going to Edmonton for Andy Moog. And I went, oh, my God, because Paul Coffey was having contract troubles and they were looking for a defenseman. Uh, I played for the Campbell's Junior Oilers, so I was scouted heavily by Edmonton all the time. And I heard a rumor I was going to... Uh, to uh, Edmonton and uh, Eddie Johnson was the GM and he said no I'm sticking with you we're going to rebuild here I'm sticking with my young guys and he uh, ended up keeping me and then eventually Eddie got out and I got traded for uh, Tom Barrasso so uh, they needed a goaltender bad that was the thing uh, and um, that obviously helped them you know win the cup so uh, Barrasso was a big time Buffalo had Poopa and Barrasso and they needed to get rid of one of them and uh uh, ended up being Barrasso for me, so uh, I actually helped them uh, get to the cup, so I had something to do with it, which is good. <laughs> there's there's one positive way to look at it there, Doug. One positive way to look at it for sure. <laughs> Folks, we're joined by assistant coach of the Victoria Royals of the WHL and former National Hockey League star defenseman from Vancouver Island, Doug Baugh. Just a few more questions here, Doug. Uh, how special was it to play on a team where players hit various milestones all season? Your 1,000th game included with the likes of fellow Islander Russ Cortnell, among others, on that 1998-99 LA Kings team. Yeah, it was pretty special. Uh, we, you know, I, I didn't never, you know, growing up in Shermaine, uh, there's no way I ever thought I was going to play a thousand games in the National Hockey League, but uh, it worked out. And uh, um, yeah, it was it was that year we were in LA. It was uh, four of us in a thousand games: Ray Ferrero, Russ Cordell, Gary Galley, and myself. And uh, and we thought that. Um, you know, it's something pretty special, and we think this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But funny story, there we were in, in uh, Carolina. They were playing in Raleigh back then, I think, at the old rink, and, and uh, it was Manny Legacy's first game in the National Hockey League, and he won. And it was my 1,000. So I, wow. I said, "You take the puck. You you take it. It's your first win as a goal. You got to keep this." You know. And he said, "No, you should have it." I go. Hey, I'll get another one. Don't worry about it. They all see an NHL on them. So, uh, wow. So that's a pretty funny story. Um, did you always, well, let's move on to your coaching career now, Doug. I mean, thanks for sharing that story. That was, that was awesome. Uh, did you always yeah. know you, you were going to coach after, you know, you, you left the National Hockey League? I, I know the Royals, um, guys, this year overachieved in the eyes of the fans. I mean, the likes of DJ Jerome taking advantage of his extra opportunity, helped this team make the playoffs, and that was truly outstanding. But tell us about your transition to coaching, you know, starting with the BCHL, a small stint, Bantam Prep School before, you know, concluding with your role that is today assistant coach of victoria royals um mining the defense if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah um in, you know i never ever thought i would be a coach i really didn't like a lot of coaches <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so i go there's no way i'm gonna do this but uh i started out you know i, you know, I moved back to my hometown shamana duncan area Coucher valley and i thought that uh that uh, i would uh you know uh 
maybe get into it. So they asked me to help out with the defense, and uh, I said, yeah, sure, I'll take a, take, take a run at it. Greg Adams was coaching, and uh, uh, I, I got in there and helped out a bit, and I ended up doing a few years in there. And um, I quit for a few years. I, t- I took a break from it and just went away from it. Then again, uh, a few years back, uh, Dave Lowry was the head coach in Victoria, and I uh, went to see him, and I said, hey, I'm not doing anything. I'm interested in helping you out. And he said, can you start tomorrow? So um, I said, okay, yeah, sure. So um, that's where it started. and. I, you know, learning all the time, the game's changed so much with video, and, and uh, so I'm I'm learning a lot again. I know the game. I, I just got to learn how to teach it, and that's my biggest thing. And um, enjoy. I think the kids enjoy it. I'm a very positive guy. I, they get down. I go, hey, you still got to play the game, and uh, I, I stay on top of them all the time. And it's been fun. Yeah, it's so uh, we'll see what what happens, and we'll keep going with this. And, uh, you know, you, you leave the game, you're bitter at hockey. When you retire, you get traded so much. You go from team to team to team, and you go, I hate hockey, and I don't want to try to do this anymore. And then you come back to it, and you realize that uh, that's the one thing you know a lot about. And you just say, hey, you know what? This is what I know, and uh, I'm going to stay in the game. So uh, that's why I ended up going back there. Doug, you're a humble man in regards to your National Hockey League playing career and your your coaching because you know since you joined the Rose, it's been it's been truly outstanding and congratulations on all the recent success. Again, like like I mentioned, uh, just while asking this questions, I, I don't think a lot of people thought the Royals would uh, would play as well as they did this year. To be perfectly frank, with some of the the players that went on to pro last season, I mentioned the names of you know DJ Jerome getting more of of an opportunity and really uh, basking in that. So again, congratulations. Uh, final question here before uh, we let you get back to your uh, summer vacation. <laughs> what <laughs> What is the story involving your final games in the National Hockey League? 13 games with the Vancouver Canucks before hanging up the skates. Was it simply um, an effort to, to skate with the hometown team before retiring or was there a significant injury or, or incident behind the scenes that influenced your final decision? Well, I kind of grew up watching the Canucks, you know, and, and growing up in the area, you know, watching the run and uh, the Canucks in 82, you know, uh, we always watched hockey in Vancouver was there. And uh, um, when I got drafted, ninth overall, 84, Vancouver had 10th pick. Oh. And my old coach, Bill LaForge, was there. So it was either Pittsburgh or Vancouver. So it was all close to home. And, you know, I, um, I, I wasn't going to play after L.A. I, I was done. I'm, I'm Mentally, I was finished, and uh, got a call from my agent. Said Vancouver's interested in signing you, and I said, you know what? Yeah, let's let's do it. I'd, I'd love to go to Vancouver. I grew up watching it. The team wasn't very good, uh, uh, but uh, I give it a shot. But mentally, my head was not in the game. And uh, um, Mark Crawford was the coach, and we didn't get along too great. But uh, um, uh, I'm pretty sure I could have stuck it out. Maybe bad attitude at the time. I should have. I should have been better at my attitude. But uh, uh, just it was just time, and uh, I just I just had enough and mentally, and needed to, needed some to do something different for a while. But uh, um, looking back now, I probably should have stuck it out. I probably could have played three or four more years. I was. Uh, I really wasn't injured, or I was. I was healthy. So um, I just, you know, said this is enough. It's, you know, nobody played that many games back in the day, especially D-man. There was not a lot of D-man that played over a thousand games. So, so I, I just said, you know, you're not supposed to play this long. So <laughs> I just said, 
that's enough. And now guys are playing. They're like, I'm sure, what is it, 24? So uh, it's great on those guys. Obviously, they keep in shape and they, they, they take care of themselves a lot better than we used to. But uh, all good. It was no regrets. And uh, when I retired, I... Uh, you know, I see these guys crying on TV, upset, and I'm going, you know what, the happiest day, I, I achieved what I wanted to achieve, and I did it, and it's it's a celebration, it's not sad, <laughs> so uh, I was uh, very happy and, you know, very blessed that I could uh, spend 15 years in the league, and, and being a kid from Shimanis, I didn't think that was ever going to happen, so I was very, look back on it and go, wow, unbelievable. Amazing stuff, Doug. And, and Mr. Bodger, I could ask you questions about your, your playing days and coaching career all day, but we'll leave it at that oh, right now. We got all, yeah, you, we could do an hour show for sure. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> so honestly, I got way more stories. Well, you know what, then? Uh, I have your number. I'll definitely bring you back on the show again soon. Thank you for making us making for some sure. time for us today on Stick and Rink. Enjoy the rest of the summer. And, and like I said, if you got more stories to tell, we'll definitely catch up soon, sir. Yeah, let me know anytime. That'd be fun. All right, folks, it's time for the names of the game. Gulalame Latin Dursi with chicken. Holy shit, eh? Face off, got turnaround shot, traffic out of front, loose puck, they shoot, they score! Bo Meester paid that man his money! Kabakuli. Nabuin? They shoot, they score! You're my boy, Blue! <laughs> I've never heard these names before. Who's your daddy and what does he do? Where the hell is this going? Alright Dylan, so uh... How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do this? I don't know who won this week. Because uh, there's one winner on the poll question. But uh... Roman Chechmanic? Father and son duo with the same name. Yeah, who the hell are we profiling here? It's quite a who combo. Who the hell are we talking about here? I mean, I I didn't know about his son up until now. How so crazy is that? How crazy is that? Well, I mean, I guess we might as well do the son. I mean, I think most people know the uh, the Philadelphia goaltender Roman Chekmanic, but not not the uh, not the young forward Roman Chekmanic. Yeah, so uh, you know what? Let's do them both. You take uh, you take the goalie. I'll do the young forward. All right, Roman Chekmanic, the old guy, forty eight years old, senior. Born in the Czech Republic, 6'3", 201 pounds, big goaltender. He he spent time with the Philadelphia Flyers, the Los Angeles Kings, and that was it, folks. That was his NHL career. It was short. It short was sweet. sweet. Um, he went on to play in various leagues, the DEL, the SHL, the Czech Elite League. Um, you know, he has some... Uh, international credentials, you know, being the best goaltender for the Czech Republic for a few years there in the late 2000s. And, and, you know, a huge goalie for a time where goalies weren't that big. They weren't that monstrous um, because they didn't play that style of game back then. No, they didn't. And that's that's a great point. Um, And, you know, he he has some memorable moments, especially with the playoff run with with the Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, hell, he even got onto the cover of the Hockey Chronicles. We're looking at it right now. He's, that's, uh, that's you right. got Roman Chekmanic there making a big old save. Number 32, baby. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that, but I guess you're in the names of the game, so I guess I just changed it. Big dick swangin'. All right, let's hear about the... Actually, you know what? Let me let me re- read this off quickly. No, please do. Uh, three golds in the World Championships. One gold in the Olympics. Woo! 
two bronze medals in the world championships, one bronze medal in the under 20s world championships, five uh, Czech league titles, um, one. I don't know what that is. What some other league title? Some other league title. He's got two other league titles. I think one's the. Did he play in the KHL? Uh, no, I don't think okay, he. So ever one's it must be an SHL title. Yeah, that must be the SHL Damn. title and possibly the DEL title. So, uh, hell of a career. Like you said, he has not only international credentials but European credentials as well i mean here you go elite prospects has a, a ton of the or has them listed out here this is insane this is the biggest list of credentials i've ever seen wow this is like Sidney crosby we're talking about folks man this is unbelievable yeah he's so czechoslovakia extra league of champions so that's the czech elite league um you know he was the czech best goalie in 95 uh various awards there yeah, I mean, th- this guy is just decorating. I mean, there's there's too many to read through. I mean, I've never seen some. I'll like share. This. I'll share this guy's link. There you go. It's worth. There that. you go. Give him uh, the old stick and ring bump. I mean, his son probably needs it now. Uh, he's a big <laughs> boy too, young Roman Chetmanic. Uh, Twenty one years old. He's six four, but only measly hundred and sixty one pounds. So he's a he's a gangly guy out there. Um, playing for uh, the Czech U twenty right now. Uh, in 2017-18, he had five points in 19 games. He didn't play last season, according to Elite Prospects, so maybe his hockey career is done. He's only really recognized for uh, his uh, under-20 and under-18 play for uh, the Czech international team and the, the Czech, I guess, junior leagues. Um, his uh, he doesn't have a- any credentials. He doesn't have his cabinet's bare. So uh, I think it's the. Well, end you can of, add uh, names of the game to the list. Well, I, I was just gonna say, Dylan. At least he's got one, and that's uh, names of the game. There we go. Ring podcast. We always like to make it positive. All right, and uh, to end on a further positive, we have some. Well, we have a little drama in the names of the game uh, segment Ooh. here. We had uh, Hunter Skinner, Skinner, and Josh Nodler. Tied at twenty or at uh yeah twenty nine percent. Roman Chechmanic father and or son won at forty two percent. Poor Ilya, uh, Konovalov uh, uh, got a measly zero percent. So <sighs> no love for the Russian this week. So Josh Nodler, Hunter Skinner, they'll be back next week. So don't forget to vote in the poll question at Stick and Rink Pod. And joining them, Dylan, I uh, I'm the one who added the the names this week. We got uh, Vladislav. Uh, Fritzov and uh, oh, it should be first off. Or first off, sorry. So first of all, first off on second, Vladislav first off and Stacy Roost. Stacy Roost, coming hey, home I, to Roost. I like the Roost name. I'm liking that. So we got first off coming home to Roost, baby. There you go. And then you know, and then the other question is Skinner or Nodler. I barely knew her. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. We got uh, we got quite the roster this week. Uh, Skinner, Nodler. First off and Roost, um, vote for the best name of the game this week at Stick in Rink Pod. All right, final segment of the show. We got we have two great questions from two of our most loyal fans. Let's get into questions from Twitter. Melody's rhythms making every granny beat feet. My rhymes go boom boom, the crowd goes. 
Bump of the bumper in the busiest street. Make your head go round like the dizziest feet. Yeah, bass is the barricade. Bully the beat. I thought I heard a putty rap in the great words of love, not war. If you diss me, it's peace. Brown water like whiskey is cheap. We in the streets deep. All right. We're starting off with uh, the nicest of Shane's at Van Nice Shane. He asks us, who does the National Hockey League belong to? Do you think it will ever be a players league, much like the NBA? And he also <laughs> comments on the sub poll question from the a Patreon pregame show. Um, also, I'm a fisherman's friend kind of guy. <laughs> we didn't even think about fisherman's friend. No, but we've, I, I do. We no, we've friend. had fisherman's friend discussions on on the radio show in the past. Yeah, we definitely have. We have. I hate it. No, I, I don't know. I don't mind the old fisherman's friend. You're not friend with the fisherman's? He's uh, a bitch. It's too minty for me. All right. Doesn't anyways, like that minty fresh, I guess. Uh, back to the question, Dylan. I mean, Eating sour grapes. You like this one, uh, so I'll, I'll let you start off. I, I think it's an interesting question because I, I don't necessarily know how to answer it. Um, I think, you know, the NBA is, is the players' league. I, I mean, I, I can see that, I guess. You know, there's the there's, superstars league. The superstars league. That that's what it is. You know, it's there's some players who are at such a point where they can make decisions for a team. Well, a la LeBron James. I mean, look what he did with the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, before joining them, they were a rebuilding team, right? They had a, a bunch of young pieces. He comes in, half the pieces are traded. Yeah, they bring in some superstars, but he gets the coach fired, and uh, you know, Magic Johnson is a step back as a result. Like he's yeah. really shaking things up because he's. He's at that stardom, that level of stardom in the, in the uh, association. And even, you know, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, we, yeah, just, we just saw degree. I mean, to a certain degree. I mean, it's in the same boat, and that doesn't necessarily happen. Kevin Durant. In too. the NHL. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, players are consulted in the NHL. It's just, it's not as public. First off, I mean, I, I got to throw that in there. Players are consulted. I mean, we've seen trades. We've seen, you know, the Brandon Sod for Artemi Panarin trade. That was Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves going to management saying, hey, we want Brandon Sod back. Yeah, that was that was entirely them. If they didn't go to management, that trade wouldn't have happened. So and I don't I'm wanna... sure there's, you know, I'm, I'm positive players talk, you know, star players franchise players talk with management on who they want to play with especially well obviously they talk with the coaches and then you know they bring it up to the the next level and and make their pitch uh to finish it off though you know when the trophy is awarded at the end of the day who gets to hold it first the players should and the players do in the nhl yeah do they in the nba no. Oh, don't. okay. It goes right to the owner. I mean, oh, that, right to the owner. All right. That that I mean that players a, league. But that is a good juxtaposition because I think uh, I think overall the NBA is 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 a players league. It, it's definitely player friendly and gives we're more player friendly and because of uh, because of the because of the soft cap, it gives players more um, freedom to choose their destination. Um, if, like you said, they're they're at an elite talent or superstardom, or in the National Hockey League because of the hard cap, superstars sure can facilitate trades perhaps um, easier than, um, let's say, the middle class players. You know, the third line is the serviceable guys, and you know, especially those ones who are just like on on the fourth line or fringe players. Sure, they can facilitate moves easier, but we just don't see it happen like we no. do in the NBA. And I think that's just it's because I, the leagues are so different and I think that's why I think the NBA is a players league hence the NBA likes the drama. They like 
they like to be public about the drama. It's more of a show league. It's more For sure. It's more it's more vibrant where the NHL is not. It's very much more conservative. Well, because if you think about it logically, I mean, you don't want the players making decisions like that. It's just not a. It's just it's just not a good thing. You want the general managers and the guys who are the architects of the team to build it. Not you know, I'm a superstar and that's my buddy. Yeah, well, I mean, well, sometimes it works. You look at Miami and two no, championships in three years, but well, because it's a different game. Because all you need is three, four good players. And hockey, you need twelve. It's different, yeah, you know, yeah, you can't go uh, a la Ryan Suter, Zach Parise, boys. It's not going to work. You know, boys playing together for for this long at at, at matching contracts is just not going to work. So there you go, Shane. I don't know what that was, but I really know what the answer was. I I I mean, I I mean, my answer is that I think the NBA is uh is more of a players league and I don't think the NHL with this hard cap is ever going to be even close to what the NBA is. No. Um finally we have uh, a question that it came in last week but it came in the day after we recorded so it's a little bit late but it's definitely still topical uh, at Mr. Braindown. He asks us and that's Brandon Hobbs. I'll ask the obvious one. Who do you think won the first day of free agency and who do you think will see any and do you think will see any real blockbuster trades in the coming days uh like i said it's a week old but but very much still relevant uh i'll start with the latter part of the question uh will there be any real blockbuster trades in the coming days maybe maybe it's coming weeks maybe not days but yeah i mean this summer there there's going to be at least one or two pretty decent trades at least uh going on maybe not quality wise but at least quantity wise as far as contracts go yeah i'd have to agree i mean we see big trades at least one or two like like he describes it blockbusters every summer i i think we can see even as high as and this is this is the high mark four just depending on you know the torontos um and just other contender teams maybe having to shake things up but then we have the likes of you know the vancouver canucks and sure it may not be a blockbuster but the likes of uh chris tanev moving it's still a big deal might cause waves for uh, our market so i think there are big trades to come maybe as high as four but definitely as um as 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 least two like dylan said i I can see that uh but in regards to july 1st um i think there were there were a ton of losers winners that day um i i mean i think the predators did fine you know with duchene the signing of duchene i think the canucks did uh, did fine addressing um key areas obviously um Obviously, the Maple Leafs, in a different regard, did, did fine throughout these days. But Dylan, I think uh, here on the Stick Ring Podcast, there's a unanimous uh, victor on that day. And that is the Dallas Stars. You know, Joel Pavelski. The Joe Pavelski signing, I mean, th- that's such a game changer, I think, for that organization. I know it's only three years, but you're adding a guy who you can legitimately expect 30 goals from maybe 35, you know, he's a four, he's put up 40 goals in his career. I know he was, it was on a really stacked uh, San Jose Sharks team, but Hey, there's some good offensive talent to play with for Dallas as well. And I think Corey Perry was a good player to bet on at one year, $1.5 million, even, you know, he's not going to be expected to be the man like he was the last few years in Anaheim, you know, to relive the glory that, the glory days where he put up 
um, those, what, 80, 90-point seasons scoring 30 to 40 goals. But if he gives you 15 goals on the third line at $1.5 million and a, a player, you know, an ex-superstar player as experienced as Corey Perry, I think that's great value. It just um, it just makes the team better. No, I, I agree. That's that's great value. Whenever you can get a guy like that uh, for under $2 million, I think it's worth the chance. Just a, a couple other quick shout-outs. Wayne Simmons from the New Jersey Devils. I think that was a great signing, um, as well as Gustav Nike with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, both good signings, but to, to round out that Dallas talk, I mean, we forgot one. Andre Sequeira right. as well signed that one-year, $1.5 million deal, a matching deal uh, to Corey Perry's. And, and this guy, if he can stay healthy, he's a solid um, bottom, you know, bottom six pairing guy and he can play top four if if needed um, where there's injury. He's not necessarily the most offensive player and obviously his speed I mean combating injuries and just not playing a ton of time in the NHL has probably dipped a bit but again such a serviceable player a guy who's I believe uh, Sakara is just around 30 years old um, maybe one year above or, or under give or take um, I think it's good value at 1.5 million dollars and so overall just Dallas got better because they addressed uh, places of need and they're going for it now there you go Brendan Hobbs you're a friggin beauty Goddamn beauty like I said I, I would I'll, I'll fight the manager if i have to yeah we might have to a portal bernie bulldogs get you that jersey because they will not reply or they haven't replied to me i shouldn't say they will not they haven't replied to me yet on twitter it's gonna or happen facebook things are, or their email. the gloves are coming off gloves are coming off all for you brandon <laughs> all right folks our radio affiliate chly is always looking for donations and local sponsors i believe the fun drive is still going on uh we're also looking for donations and local sponsors as well our listenership mm-hmm is skyrocketing and we would love to help our businesses on the island or in the vancouver pacific northwest region so contact us at sticker rink pod on all social media or shoot us an email sticker podcast at gmail.com as we uh, close things out here dylan and we just want to give our listeners uh, a reminder of the hockey podcast network that's coming out in october folks if you're not following the hockey podcast network on twitter at the hockey pod net there's, there's just something wrong with you there's you're mentally deficient because there's some amazing prizes on there like a bull horvat signed puck now i know it might be a little bit late for you folks to get this prize but we got a lot more coming so what's coming up uh, prize wise i think we got an amazing set of headphones coming up next week some bluetooth headphones next week and some great or some more great sports memorabilia. They're in the closed fo- in the box. We're not going to show it. Yeah, in the following weeks to come. So again, like Dylan said, go give at HockeyPodNet a follow. And uh, for those who you know maybe haven't heard about what we're doing, Dylan, what is the Hockey Podcast Network? Well, essentially the Hockey Podcast Network is a place where you can find a podcast for every NHL team. That's right. If you're a Minnesota Wild fan... You can go on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can actually listen to us. We're going to be talking about the Minnesota Wild. If, you, if you're if you a Vancouver Canucks fan, you can tune into the Stickering Podcast uh, featured by Ride the Pod. Um, you know, if you're a New Jersey Devils fan, you're going to get something real special. <laughs> so we, we have something for everybody. Yeah, and it's coming October 1st is when we're going to launch. Monday and Thursdays, you swipe your podcast app at the Hockey Podcast Network, and you're going to get a podcast covering every single team in the National Hockey League twice a week. We're really excited to be, like Dylan said, covering the Minnesota Wild, and we're really excited to launch this October 1st. So, 
Find them on all social media. The Facebook page is coming. The YouTube page is coming. But right now, more active on Twitter than anywhere else. So go give it a See, why didn't you just do that from the start? What do you mean? Jesus Christ. What do you mean? (laughs) No, I'm just joking. It's all good. It's all good. Um, One last thing I want to end on, folks, if you haven't seen this on Twitter. There's a unicycle hockey league in Toronto. No, not Sweden. Fucking Toronto. Um, At uh, Stephen Ellis on Twitter at Stephen Ellis T H N of the hockey news. Um, he posted this and, and I retweeted it saying like, is this, is this backyard unicycle ball <laughs> hockey in Sweden? He's like, no, this is actually um, the, the longest or, or yeah, the longest operating unicycle ball hockey league in the world. And it is in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I'll, I'll post the link again from uh, the Sticker Ring podcast at Sticker Ring Pod on Twitter, and uh, I'll post it on Facebook as well. I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's it's, it's crazy. It's, it's cr- yeah, that's crazy. No helmets, yeah. nothing. No pads, just you know, some unicycles and a hockey stick. We pod. like to call that a little bit of Colwood. That is Colwood way out east. It's still Colwood. I mean, like I said, I thought this was a Swedish game. Um, we saw pictures of Elias Pettersson juggling on a unicycle. We saw right. N- uh, Nils Holglander, the, the the most recent second-round pick of the Vancouver Canucks, doing a workout regiment on, yeah, a, he was on a unicycle. scooting around that unicycle. Man, those tree trunk of legs as a result of the unicycle. Maybe that's the Swedish special. I'm pretty sure there were stories of, you know, uh, Forsberg back in the day riding the unicycle. Yeah, and, and you know what, folks? If you want more unicycle talk, you can tune in to the Patreon pregame show for only $1. $1 gets you an additional episode of Stick and Rink. And why wouldn't you want that, Dylan? No, I mean, you might even get an herbal active foot rub. I think that's a given at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're almost done here, folks. As always, follow the show at Stick and Rink Pod on Twitter. You can follow the host, myself, at VI Sports Talk. You can follow Producer T, who's going to be back joining us this Sunday, CHLY1017, at Producer underscore T-E-E. He's going to be hosting uh, the Stick Hungry Podcast, Ooh. the San Jose Sharks Podcast on the Hawk Podcast Network. Uh, Dylan, where, where can they find you? D-Y-L underscore... THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. We're on Instagram, download the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever mm-hmm. you get your mm-hmm. podcast from, Spotify, Spotify, the whole shebang. Please rate and review as always, and we will see you Sunday, CHLY 1017 FM, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific time. If you miss any part of the show, go on our podcast feed, download the show. It's going to be fun, Dylan, to get Producer T back in the studio. Three hours of hockey talk. I cannot wait. It's going to be a hell of a time. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Trippin' on testicles.